Hello and welcome to PostgreSFM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Uh, let's talk about optimization of budget. First of all, for infrastructure costs, I mean, like if you run a database and it grows, obviously it increases your bill, cloud bill usually, sometimes not cloud, of course. And uh, there's a question which becomes more and more acute, how to pay less for it and continuing to grow in terms of your company growth, how to reduce the costs. And uh, I think it's the topic that can be interesting for both infrastructure and engineering teams. And it's uh, becoming more and more important because we have crisis already. A lot of people are fired, unfortunately, are being fired. And this is uh, this is one of the questions. If you can optimize infrastructure costs, uh, probably it's a good uh, way to optimize. Maybe you can save some uh, jobs, right? Yeah, it feels like we've gone through a boom period where a lot of people were throwing money at problems and maybe upgrade, maybe doing a lot of things and having a lot of costs that they don't necessarily need longer term. So hopefully in some bigger environments, there's some big room for improvement. But also I think for smaller companies, there's often there's often ways of uh, reducing costs there as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, right. So uh, let's start with clouds, maybe. There is a good article. It's actually like maybe two years old already from Anderson Horowitz. It's called uh, The Cost of Cloud, a Trillion Dollar Paradox. And obviously, clouds are super interesting, super like revolutionary concept, which changed uh, engineering drastically, right? But uh, observation is that with all those additional services, uh, when companies start, it's great because it helps them to focus on product development and finding product market fit and, and so on faster. But then, obviously, the bill grows significantly. Of course, the companies like AWS, Google Cloud, Microsoft, WebAsure, and others, they, they win a lot. And if we consider the market, it's growing, growing, growing. But if you right now do a simple, a simple exercise, I did it recently, and take some, uh, I don't know, like some medium, medium size server, for example, uh, Intel or AMD server uh, with 16 cores, uh, 128 gigabytes of memory, for example, and compare uh, the costs of EC2 instances or GCP instances versus the, the price of the server if you buy it, for example, right? Of course, it's extreme right now. We, we, all we want, uh, everyone wants right now to run just API call uh, or run Terraform task and provision instances. So it's so good. Nobody wants uh, to deal with ordering servers, then replacing disks. It's like it's, it's nightmare from the past. But if you compare those costs, or also there are some low-cost providers like OVH or Hetzner, where you can rent, rent servers and they will re be replacing uh, f failed disks, uh, CPUs, and so on, you will be wondered why, why it's so high. So my first question when we talk about database infrastructure cost optimization, where do we run it? And uh, extreme optimization is to go with uh, rented servers or with own data centers if you're a big company. And it will uh, compare the costs of maintenance, of course, because if you use clouds, maintenance costs, ownership costs, and so on. And But uh, it, it might be a total sense 
to, for example, to go with rented servers or with your own data center. For smaller teams, rented, rented servers. For larger teams, your own data center to build it. But of course, there are a lot of many, many questions here. It's it's not a database only topic, definitely. But I would like to mention one important uh, one important key here with Kubernetes and a lot of automation we have. For example, we can run Postgres with Kubernetes, or we can run it with Ansible easily. Like we we have a bundle of Postgres, uh, many options. For example, PostgreSQL cluster. For, uh, one of person from my team maintains it, Vitaly. It's a great product, uh, open source, so you can run it from Ansible and it has backups, Patroni, for auto failover, everything. So you can manage Postgres yourself or Kubernetes, it's like full-fledged automation and achieve a lot of good results so, so, uh, with uh, low cost here. So did you, did you see the recent blog post by the team at Basecamp or at least DHH? I think they're, they're yeah, a nice SQL awesome. setup. Yeah. But yeah, they were talking about exactly this. And it's like, the- it's insane how big uh, the bill is right now. If you grow, if you have, like, you pay a lot. Of course, uh, at this scale, you already should negotiate uh, large discounts with cloud provider, obviously. 100% so. A large, I mean, like 70%. It's not like 20 or 30, 70, 80% discount. You should do it. If you pay more than one million, you I, I think you already do it. Probably that's the, thing, the kind of thing people are already doing. But it does feel like there are people starting to question, are we getting the benefits that the cloud promised? Are we still having to employ people to do a lot of the infrastructure things, having to worry about the lower level things? If you are, and if then are we really getting the... Are we really happy paying those premiums? But equally, I think that's a very, very high effort way of potentially saving a lot of money and it feels like probably in the rest of the list we have we're probably going to cover some things that are lower effort maybe they don't save quite as much money on an individual item basis but you might be able to do them sooner right the, i i wanted to emphasize that this should be exercise you do like constantly from time to time i mean if you're a city or something or or database uh, lead mm-hmm. lead uh, database lead in your company i don't say go bare metal with kubernetes but it should be considered analyzed when you do capacity planning and i also like, must say clouds and managed services like rds are awesome all those clouds like every, every cloud is awesome Ivan, Timescale Cloud, Superbase, Hasura, Neon, all of them are great. All of them provide a lot of value. But you need to deal with pricing. We need You need to analyze costs and consider alternatives. And, and we helped uh, several uh, our customers uh, to make decisions. And it's always not an easy decision. So on one hand, you, like to go to RDS or not to go to RDS? To go to Aurora RDS or to go with uh, Kubernetes uh, there are options there as well. Maybe another topic, right? So it, it's always a quite hard decision because you think, okay, I already have a table comparing all all aspects of pricing all, and uh, my my budgets, but maybe I forgot something, right? They provide, they do provide value. They have good metrics. I mean, good characteristics in terms of uptime and durability. Will our infrastructure team can handle it? If it's small, maybe no. If it's large. Okay, maybe now it's doing, maybe later it's not. So it's it's a good question. But still, my advice, if you are too small or too big, consider bare metal, definitely. Or rented servers. I mean, if you're too small, consider rented servers. It can save you a lot, like a lot. 
For example, instead of paying 1,000, you can pay 100 easily for infra. But for work, yes, it will require the use of some tools. Yes, it will require maybe some subscription to some services for support. But overall, okay, you'll be paying $200 instead of 100 But before, you paid 1000 to cloud, right? So RDS is great. And without RDS, for example, uh, I think I wouldn't come to idea to create Think Learning Database Lab Engine. Because first, I worked with RDS clones. I understood how convenient it is to, prov to provision temporary machines to experiment, to, to develop better, and then to delete them. And then, like extreme case, uh, Think Loans was implemented. And I'm sure many will remain on cloud providers and it will continue growing. But in crisis, it's one of the biggest questions. Should you go self-managed Postgres or managed by some other company Postgres? Yeah. And we do have a whole episode on this as well, right? One of the earliest ones, if anybody, if you've got new listeners making this decision at the moment, uh, that might be worth a listen. But yeah, it feels like a, a huge decision. Lots of work if you're having to migrate and maybe you don't have to go all or nothing, right? Like there are some services that they run clearly running on very thin margins, like the storage services on the clouds. But the databases do feel like they do have quite a high margin added to them versus the like S3 cloud, like simple storage solutions. Right. Also, if you go to if you go with cloud, there are many optimization techniques there. There are many. It's, it's whole. Like maybe we could discuss only this uh, during the whole episode. For example. If you also in cloud means self-managed or versus additional service like RDS, right? Also, also everywhere there are trade-offs and decisions to make. So if you run self-managed in cloud, of course you can benefit from various techniques to optimize costs. For and for example, some people also like it's extreme technique, but some people use spot instances for even to run databases. And AWS is better than in GCP, for example. Uh, I'm not sure about Azure. I, I don't have enough experience with Azure. Somehow, like our clients are mostly on, not, not on Azure, not on Azure. Also, if you work on self-managed, there are a little bit more options to cut costs, to cut the bill. If you go with reserved instances, for example, you can yeah. uh, you can buy a contract for bigger type instances and also have convertible instances on AWS. So you can then dynamically split large instances to, into pieces if when you need smaller instances. It's quite interesting technique. Also, I learned recently there is a secondary market. You can sell those contracts and so on. There are companies who... Uh, focus on this cost optimization. For example, if you go, I use service ec2instances.info, which provides, like, I don't know why AWS doesn't provide normal table with all prices on one page, but these guys do a very good job. And the company behind it right now is OneTouch.sh, one, one so they provide a service, automated a service to optimize cloud costs for all big three providers. It's quite interesting. Uh, I hope we will have a Postgres TV episode with them soon, already discussing. Uh, so this, there are many options to optimize there. Also, in terms of computer storage both, I, I wanted to highlight one thing. Uh, there is a serverless approach, which isn't very interesting, but you should ca very carefully analyze its pros and cons, because like, in general, it's great. Like, I mean, you pay only for, for what you need. But you need to understand your workload pattern. If it's spiky, of course, it's great. 
But it's if it's not spiky, there is some level when going serverless, the the overhead you pay for for the company to for this service itself, it's already too high. So it's like also there are trade-offs. You need to do a lot of work filling cells in some table with calculator maybe and sourcing information from from various places. And maybe some testing, right? Like sometimes a bit paying a little bit to test some things is much better than i saw i saw a blog post not that long ago i I can't remember who it was so i'm going to find it and put it in the notes from a company who did a switch to i think it was aurora in this case from regular rds and were really shocked at the increase in pricing when they were expecting a decrease so it's um, aurora it's 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 making some loop with with topics i like i wanted to discuss first like clouds not clouds and clouds various types of contracts spot instances reserved convertible many things to to have for example i don't know why rds doesn't have spot instances well well okay i understand you should like it's like state stateful you but people do it actually and if you lose compute storage is there and postgres will recover for non-production it's good but they don't provide it but then you talk about aurora not aurora on aurora one interesting aspect is that on aurora the topic of query optimization which we when we discussed when we prepared for this episode you raised the query optimization naturally as the first topic and i said no 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 based on what i saw in larger companies it goes maybe last but with Aurora, maybe not last, because on Aurora, you need to pay for I.O. And if your database doesn't fit the buffer pool, share buffers, and you your queries are not optimized, they do a lot of work with disk. In this case, uh, you, you, your unoptimized queries hit your bill. So if you optimize them, you reduce your spending, which is good. So cost optimization, uh, query optimization on Aurora directly leads to cost optimization, which is interesting case, but because this is how pricing is organized there. Yeah, and actually, we probably should go back to some of your bigger ticket items. You talked about at these some of these bigger companies, you go in and if you suggest query optimization, they they come back and tell you that's that's a very fine-grained solution what's the the bigger picture is that they've got loads of i think you mentioned even unused instances of course yeah. if you've got that's yeah. going to be a huge saving if you can just make sure you're catching those early do you have yeah, any yeah, yeah. Uh, tips Re- and tricks there Reg- uh, normally it's usually a lot of unused instances left after some experimenting so you need to control those if your organization is growing you have for example hundreds or thousands of nodes of course if some team provisioned and forgot to shut it down it's not good there are services which control cloud resources and and help you find those which are not used enough but i wanted to mention that in non-production it's better to use thin cloning and branching so database lab engine here like i need to advertise my service once again by the way we also since like we are entering crisis, I understood that there is a good need in infrastructure cost optimization. So our consulting wing of Postgres AI team uh, is also working right now on structuring all, all the aspects of database cost optimization. So our topic today, so we can help with this as well. But uh, in terms of tooling, database lab engine provides you with one machine, you have dozens of clones independent. And this can keep your bill basically constant. While you need to run many clones, you, you keep your bill constant in terms of non-production databases. And from for benchmarking, it's, it's slightly different. If benchmarking, it's heavy benchmarking, you need to run 
heavy tests like utilizing all cores and so on. Of course, you need to provision full-size clones in cloud. And it's a good question if you can do it uh, temporarily and then shut it down. But big, big question, you need to not to forget to collect all aspects of all artifacts, logs, monitoring. Uh, there are approaches uh, that can be used. For example, I can recommend Nate Data because it, you can export dashboard there and uh, then you can remove machine. So you need to, to have a centralized log accumulated everything and you also need to your monitoring to be able to remember metrics for instances which already don't exist and keep them longer and uh, net data with export capability. Unfortunately, it's manual for now because it's front-end feature. It's great. Automation is great uh, and, and so on. So it can be big cost saver if you start with non-production first, like to to keep Bill sane there. But as for production, several things. First, interesting that I, my opinion right now is uh, that AMD is better than Intel these days. If you ha if you need the beefy server, for smaller servers maybe it doesn't matter that much. But if you need uh, 100 200 vCPUs. If you need many hundreds of gigabytes of RAM, AMD is better to handle OLTP workloads because it provides a lot, much more vCPUs uh, for less uh, price. I mean, in terms of, uh, if you compare benchmarks, you will see that uh, Epic uh, Rome, Epic Milan is beating uh, many Xeon processors. And of course, uh, big cost saver is uh, ARM. Like Graviton 2 on uh, uh, AWS for smaller servers is good, but it's limited in number of processors. So for really large, heavy loaded databases, it, mi it might be not enough to have 64 cores maximum, right? I don't remember from top of my head, but it's limited. No, it's not like 96, uh, 244 vCPUs others provide already. And AMD, like, if you need a lot of vCPUs, a lot of workload to handle, for example, 100,000 TPS for one, on one node, AMD Epic is the way, good way to go. And it's cheaper in terms of power versus money. But uh, if, you, if you have smaller requirements, maybe you should consider ARM. And even on RDS, ARM is good, right? So it's already there for a couple of years, maybe. How much do you see people saving going from one to the other? It can be dozens of percent. Of course, it's, sometimes it's hard to compare. For example, if you run micro benchmarks, for example, Sysbench is good for micro benchmarks to mm -hmm. check CPU, to check RAM, and then FIO for um, IO. So Sysbench and FIO is my two tools to use for micro benchmarking. You will make conclusion probably that AMD is good if you like need a lot of cores. But if you go to database level benchmarking, the question is how, right? Because if you have like this is different question how to benchmark. Maybe another episode, right? But in general, your benchmark should be good enough to for, to make conclusions. Because if you just run synthetic PG bench, it's not enough. It, it will be not representative for for it will be very far from your real workload. So you need to take care of proper benchmarking. And as for ARM, uh, there is also a certain type of saving. I don't remember numbers. We did it when they appeared quite long ago for one customer. And uh, they started to use it, but for, for those uh, instances which need uh, smaller workloads, not, not, not like uh, 100,000 TPS. 
Yeah, you say smaller workloads. I say normal workloads. Lower, lower. Like the, lower. For the 90%. Normal, plus. okay. Yeah, 99%. Like, uh, less than 1,000 TPS, it's normal. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe like, it's good. Maybe you have 1,000 yeah. microservices and uh, shrinked everything, mm. like cut everything to small pieces. And this is maybe, if, if, if this system is more resilient, right? If you cut to pieces. Well, that's but a if good you point. Have huge you... monolith, it can be hard. You mentioned microservices, and I one thing I didn't have in mind, but I wonder if you see, is whether the push to microservices and having lots of databases, maybe a database per application, if there's room for savings, if people combine some of those, and yeah. you know, well, uh, in general, the rule applies here. If you have some strict boundaries between some resources, uh, of course, uh, if these boundaries are not elastic, they cannot shift to one way or other. You will start paying more. It's like with disk. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have the need to have several volumes on one disk, and uh, it's you need to control several free disk space numbers, right? And and it, it yeah. uh, already it's some overhead in terms of managing it, and also it will, will probably be less efficient if because somewhere it can be forty percent, somewhere it's like seventy percent free disk space. But if, for example, yeah. it can be elastically united to like for example with zfs if you use data sets and you have one single number of free disk space and just control to be it more than 20 30 40 percent always and all data sets are using what they need to use that's it right in in, in this case same same applies to, to splitting to some microservices of course if you put a database on a separate instance provide standby nodes for it some will be uh, underutilized, some will need to, to, gr to grow. Of course, this is how uh, the idea of serverless and auto-scaling appears. This is great that these ideas exist, but they also uh, have some uh, extra uh, overhead and they won't work in your data center if you go my extreme uh, advice to consider a data center, right? So, so this is an interesting topic. Of course, if you are, if your microservices are small and for future, you might consider splitting them to separate instances, but for beginning, you might combine them in single Postgres cluster as logical databases, right? In this case, they will share single instance, single uh, resource. For example, RAM and CPU as well. Like one, right now, one of them is using more CPU. It's okay. Then another is using more CPU. It's okay. On average, we have this number. We control only one mm -hmm. uh, metric. In and we, in terms of SLA and so on, we control only one metric here. It's good. It's uh, elasticity, right? In terms of CPU. In terms of RAM as well, only one shared buffers, one page yep. cache number, and so on. And they uh, adjust, like, with a spike in one, it's okay. But if you split them as physically in separate instances, you have more more metrics to control and probably cost cost efficiency drops here, of course. Yeah, makes sense. Are there any other big ticket items you had that, you know, if you... Well, of course, the biggest tip item, like from any DBA or database expert, of course, query optimization is like probably the tip of the our of our hill right the top of our hill this is great topic and sometimes it saves a lot uh, my advice is uh, to have if you have many nodes first of all to control pg stat statements in terms of 
Of course, regular metrics to control. CPU, RAM, disk, everything, like uh, to, to see how far from, uh, from situation we are. But uh, if you take, for example, PGSTA statements, it can provide you interesting metric already. Each second, how many seconds are spent for query processing, right? And if you, like, this is, this is quite uh, simple but interesting uh, advice. You compare this metric, seconds per seconds, to, for example, say two, right? It means that Roughly, we need two cores, very roughly. Of course, there are context switches, other nuances, but we need roughly two cores. But in this case, we will be already kind of saturated, right? If we give it four cores, we are like 50% utilized. And of course, you don't want to be 50% utilized unless it's some peak hours. Yeah. Right? So uh, this is top-level query optimization. Then you dive to details and understand how which queries are consuming most of time and try to optimize them. And in this case, for uh, if you optimize targeted to to resource resources to 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 like to help save resources, you need to order by total time. In my yeah. opinion, just uh, that most order by total time. And then many details inside. We had the episode about query analysis, macro analysis from top to bottom. And then tools like PGMastered can help uh, to explain some queries and uh, understand how to optimize them. Yeah, I was actually looking at the... So total time, I completely agree, but I've, I haven't put it in a blog post yet, but I've written the query now to do it for total buffers as well. So if you're on Aurora, you might prefer to start with looking at total buffers instead of total time. I thought that was an interesting different angle that you could take. But yeah, so that, that makes sense. And I, I think something people don't even consider and uh, my tool doesn't help with is do you even need to be doing that query? Like uh, from an application level, how often do you need to be running these things? Do you have like do you have yeah. things that could be materialized, or do you have things that could be done less frequently? So there's there's a whole host of optimization at the macro level that you can. Well, if if you, uh, moving by total time, yeah. you find some query which has a lot of uh, f- high frequency, so calls is yeah. very high, but timing is very low. In this case, it's better to apply not sequ- uh, query optimization technique, but just application optimization technique, and maybe like to call it less often to have cash maybe and so on. And I think this is most relevant for folks who are either getting close to thinking they might need, like let's say you're on a cloud provider, let's say you're on RDS and you're getting close to a boundary where you think you might need to upsize the instance. I've seen people avoiding doing so by doing a whole host of query optimization, but I haven't seen many folks go down an instance size, but it feels like it, why, like that should be possible, right? Like if you're, if you're underutilized, why can't you? I just haven't seen it much in the last few years. I, I saw it many times. For okay, example, uh, there is some uh, issue with performance. We, we, we come help optimize queries and then they go down in terms of instance size. This, this is normal. Actually. Nice. Yeah. Great. Yep. That feels like it should be possible. And so if in the past few years you've, thrown money at a performance issue or, or for example even even more would they remove a couple of uh, standby nodes because they are not needed anymore because queries are also well optimized it also nice so reducing like read replicas that kind of thing yeah because re- uh, replicas are uh, they mirror everything and it's like redundant storage it's good for ha but in terms of performance probably it's not good because you you cannot access other host memory, yeah. right? So you 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 keep the same mem- like it's 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 good to scale uh, read-only queries, but in, ge- in general, in, in terms of resource, uh, the use of resources, it's not very optimal actually to scale. Yeah, super like interesting. That. 
On the for any smaller, like if people are still listening from really small companies, I think it's also worth mentioning things like a lot of people don't even realize quite how many credits are available for startups. Huge amounts of cloud credits yeah, and things yeah. that could you know could be thousands or tens of thousands that you haven't used or you haven't even applied for. But yeah, I didn't have much else. Anything else on your list? I could continue, but I need to drop off for another chrome. I'm yep. sorry. Like let's let's wrap up here. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Nikolai, and see you next week. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you.